Howdy folks, welcome to our podcast, American Cowboy in New Zealand. This is Ben Longwell with True West Horsemanship. We're glad you're here. Join us as we share stories and adventures and interview extraordinary men and women in the equine and ranching industries to gain insight into horsemanship and life itself. It is our mission to help people and their horses better understand one another and achieve together that which they cannot do individually. Thanks for riding along with us. Hey guys, I'm very excited to let you know that we have just finished producing a brand new video that will be available free called End With The Bend. This concept, this maneuver helps lay the foundation for connection through addressing the physical, mental, and emotional state of your horse. It can be used to address loss of focus and or brace, provide variety in the groundwork, and establish the importance of following through with flexion. Look for the link in the show notes. Listen to the previous three episodes that we've done on this. Uh, make sure you check out those and, and, uh, and then come back and listen to this one. The fifth fundamental today, this is our fourth episode on, on, on these fundamentals and, uh, and wraps up our series on this. So when it comes to our initial groundwork and early stages of writing, in other words, getting the basics established, it seems a lot of folks are not quite clear on what specific principles they're working on or what priority things should take if there is confusion, resistance, reaction, etc. This series is on the physical aspects of what we are trying to develop. And this is true in any ridden horse, regardless of discipline. But I want to emphasize again that we must always look deeper than just physical outcomes. The mental and emotional states of our horse determine not only what they do physically, but also the quality of those things that we are ultimately looking for. In the first and second parts of this series, we dissected the initial fundamentals that we can work on, establishing from a very young age in our horses, those being good quality forward movement and suppleness or flexion. Without the ability to ask for good movement with impulsion, everything else becomes difficult, if not sometimes impossible. Without suppleness and flexion, the movement that we may get might be stiff or braced or hard to direct, as well as lacking beneficial gymnastic development because it lacks that impulsion. So this then brought us to the next two fundamentals, which are balance and strength. Again, if you haven't listened to the previous episodes on each of these fundamentals, I encourage you to do that. These, balance and strength, are developed over time as we focus on the first two, forward movement with impulsion and suppleness. There are times our horses lose their balance due to a lack of strength or the complication of, of a transition or the terrain. Other times it has more to do with where their focus may be at that particular moment. But ultimately, their ability to willingly collect themselves when asked for accurate athletic movement that is both responsive and powerful is a combination of these fundamentals applied consistently over time. Let me say that again. Ultimately, 
their ability to willingly collect themselves when asked for accurate athletic movement that is both responsive and powerful is a combination of these fundamentals applied consistently over time. Remember these are physical qualities that we want to progressively develop in both our groundwork and ridden work and they build on the foundation we've established for horses of any breed or discipline. Understanding each of these fundamentals and having them clear in our minds can help us be more clear, avoid many common pitfalls, and progress with our horses in significant development of mind and body. So the final element is that of speed. This is not referring specifically to how fast you're asking your horse to travel, although that might be part of it. More commonly, it is the intensity and frequency of transitions within a relatively short period of time, like tempi changes, which are like multiple flying lead changes in a sequence, or the work of a reined cow horse cutting a bovine out of the herd, running it down the fence, you know, circling it that sort of high level of athletic uh, movement that involves quite a high level of intensity and frequency of transitions. So it's not that we never ask our horses for a fast lope or gallop before we've put the time and focus into the progression of these fundamentals. For example, I will prepare a cult that I'm starting so that they understand and willingly transition to the lope while I'm still on the ground through the change of rhythm in my body. Then within the first few rides, I usually will be able to add that to our ridden conversation as well. So that's very early in the conversation, you know, relatively speaking. But at that point, I'm in no way concerned about the suppleness, balance, and strength, which they will be lacking at that point. I'm basically just laying the foundation for responsive, quality forward movement. However, in the long run, adding speed or that intensity is the final test of our work, where we are in the development of the prior fundamentals of movement with suppleness and the resulting balance and strength. Remember, there are both lateral and longitudinal suppleness and balance. Any resistance or brace will at the least have an effect on the flow of subtle communication possible between the rider and horse. Any resistance or brace will at the very least have an effect on the flow of subtle communication that is possible between rider and horse. This is something that I cover and talk about a lot in my clinics. And honestly, a lot of the riders I work with don't know how subtle the communication could be if there wasn't any brace in their horse, if there wasn't any resistance in their horse's pole, particularly. And, you know, that goes into the use of the direct feel, the tool the, that we may be using, halter, hackamore, snaffle. And I do have a podcast on that as well. I, I can't remember which episode it is, but be sure and check that out as well. The way we use our tools, of course, sets our horses up one way or the other as well. So sometimes we are actually building brace in there. It's not just the horse. It's actually, we, we have to take responsibility for that and, and realize that we need to help them turn loose of that and not be 
inadvertently actually building brace in there or encouraging or leaving brace in there. So there are two main aspects that the horse finds challenging when he's at this level in his understanding and willingness. In other words, where at this level there should be minimal issues with confusion about, you know, his understanding of what you're meaning or environmental distractions. Now any horse can get distracted or loss of focus, you know, depending on the environment stuff. But at this level, you know, we're we're assuming that all, these sorts of issues would be at a at a minimum, okay? When he gets up to this level of experience. So there's there's still there's two main aspects that the horse may find challenging. The first is brace in just the physical sense due to loss of balance because of lack of strength at the level of intensity asked of him. So it's just simply physical. You're you're adding the speed element, you're checking out that speed element, that that uh you know, intensity or frequency of transitions. And sure enough, he loses his balance just because he lacks the strength to maintain that balance at that level of intensity. Or there may also be brace due to a reactive mental or emotional state because of that level of intensity asked of him. He may actually be getting bracy because mentally or emotionally He's not holding it together at that level of intensity. Each of these states are basically found by the rider by asking the horse to perform at that level and then observing the quality of his mental and emotional state as well as that of his movement. In other words, you're not going to find it. You're not going to really know where you're at with that if you never go there. If you never ask him, if you never work towards developing that and see where you're at with that, at that level of what, where, whatever that is, however basic or, or advanced or technical or whatever that, that series of transitions may be, whatever you might be doing. Now, there may be some improvement to be had in that moment in spite of the fact that there's brace. You may be able to address that brace, help him soften into it and come, come through that and and there may be some improvement there, but for the most part, I would say probably both the physical and mental challenges you are meeting there can be best overcome by breaking it down or backing up a little if possible. And we may need to be creative with that, or we may need to change our mindset or our our expectations in that moment to help set our horse up for success. Recognize, I, I always say it, we need to look at the, what pieces make up the whole. It can be difficult for us as riders to recognize where the weakness is. Is it primarily physical? Did he lose his balance? Or is it mental, emotional? Is he just not holding himself together there? Uh, but most of the time, I think we just need to see what pieces are making up the whole. For example, if my horse consistently dumps his weight forward when turning with a cow, I want him turning on his hind quarter generally, like a rollback, changing directions with the cow, we're going to be getting left behind at some point as this is a sloppy turn. If he's dumping his weight forward and we're in a U-turn or he's turning on the forehand, it's a very slow turn. It's limited in speed. I must be disciplined with myself first. Do not rush the turn. The cow's getting ahead of me. I'm getting left behind. It's very 
easy for us humans to rush the turn there and that usually means pulling laterally too much with the inside rein which overbends him which causes the loss of balance and the incorrect turn. He dumps him up on the forehand and you sort of waller around there and never get any faster. So even if it means that I am falling behind the bovine, I must cons be consistent with asking him to turn correctly on the hindquarter or to roll back there. And once we've completed that turn, then I hurry him up to catch up to the cow and find the release by controlling her to the stop. Sort of a side note, that's most important that the horse learns to seek the position on the cow in which he finds relief. That's part of our stockmanship and, and helping them understand uh, what, their, what that part of their job is. So by slowing it down, I help my horse both physically and mentally in that moment. And by doing that and the, setting that up that way, he grows in balance and strength and confidence. When he puts those attributes together with his natural understanding of rating applied to the cow, which brings purpose to the whole deal anyway, he will begin to offer increasingly better rollbacks even with speed or intensity required. But it all started with our ability to take a step back and address the physical or mental issues within that moment and maneuver. Now, on another note, speed may not be your forte. Maybe even the word itself, you know, sort of <laughs> has you thinking, you know, this does not apply to me. You may not feel confident to add intensity to your transitions, but it is important to, at some point, I believe, so that our horses develop the mental confidence, the emotional stability, and the physical ability as well to know that they can do all these things quickly, yet responsibly, and may be asked to operate fast. I often use the picture of owning a Ferrari and only using it once a week to go get groceries in a little town. Just to the store, back home, never getting over 25 miles an hour. Now, of course, the machine will do that. But honestly, the driver is probably something of a liability if they don't know how to operate that machine at its potential. Likely to peel out just accelerating from a stoplight or something. The most common way this affects riders is our ability to help regulate our horse's mental and emotional states when a situation becomes intense or requires speed. Their troubled mental and emotional states most often means they're doing physical things quite quickly that we aren't asking for and may have trouble sticking with. Now this brings us to a sort of a separate topic uh, than just the idea of speed of transitions or frequency of transitions and an intensity at a high level of riding technically, right? When we're at this apex or the top of the pyramid when we're talking about these fundamentals. This brings us to a topic that's applicable right across the board from the very beginning of our conversation with a horse. And I, I call it response in spite of trouble. Uh, I've got an upcoming podcast on this, uh, and you'll watch out for it in the next next uh, month or so. Um, I've also got videos in our online video library, truewesthorsemanship.com. You can check that out. Quite a number of videos on response in spite of trouble and response versus reaction. 
Matter of fact, we just released one here a month or two ago. And we had a youngster in last year, late last year, that I'd started, and she was quite a nice little filly. Pretty pretty sensitive and, 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 and quick, real athletic. And we'd had some young pigs that we were raising in the spring, and uh, boy, she did not like pigs. And it just provided a great setting to work on response in spite of trouble. Thing is, it doesn't matter what the trouble is. It doesn't matter a bit. It's a principle, and it needs to be applicable regardless of what the situation is. It's not desensitization. It is preparing the horse to understand how to think back to you in spite of the fact that they're troubled or bothered or in a survival state. Lots to it there. I encourage you to go check that out. So, this is the last of our five fundamentals. Our understanding and consistent application of these provide a framework for thorough, solid development of any horse as a ridden athlete, regardless of breed or discipline. For many, horses as a hobby may not predicate this level of study. Yet, I believe that we all should be students of the horse, not only for their sake, but also for our own. We don't have to be dressage riders, working equitation, reined cow horse competitors. We don't have to be competitors at all. I believe that if we own horses, we owe it to them and also actually to ourselves to study this level of understanding in what we're actually trying to accomplish. It, it would save a lot of us a lot of trouble and perhaps injury and could possibly help really bring ourselves and our horses together to accomplish more than we could ever accomplish on our own. So I hope you found that helpful. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, keep a leg on each side and your mind in the middle, and we'll catch you down the road. Well, that's all from us today. Thank you for listening to American Cowboy in New Zealand. If you like this episode, please share and leave your five-star rating or review. Remember, you can find us on social media or our website, truewesthorsemanship.com. I'm very excited to let you know that we have just finished producing a brand new video that will be available free called End With The Bend. This concept, this maneuver, helps lay the foundation for connection through addressing the physical, mental, and emotional state of your horse. It can be used to address loss of focus and or brace, provide variety in the groundwork, and establish the importance of following through with flexion. Look for the link in the show notes. Well, that's all from us today. Thank you for listening to American Cowboy in New Zealand. If you like this episode, please share and leave your five-star rating or review. Remember, you can find us on social media or our website, truewesthorsemanship.com.